Welcome to this edition of the Disciples Men podcast with your hosts, Greg Alexander and Alex Ruth. Thank you for joining us as we explore the many challenges of being man of faith in these challenging times. Disciples Men is a ministry of Disciples Home Missions of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in the U.S. and Canada. Let's listen in today's conversation. Welcome to another edition of the Disciples Men podcast. I'm your Associate Director of Disciples Men, Alex Ruth. Happy to be with you today. And as always, we have our Director of Disciples Men, Greg Alexander. Greg, good to talk to you this afternoon. Hey, Alex, great to be with you and looking forward to our conversation today. I am as well. To catch you up in case you haven't been uh, able to catch an episode recently, we are working our way um, through what we call the five touchstones of being a disciple's man. These touchstones came out of a a conversation, a visioning conversation that we had with the General Conference of Disciples Men Executive Committee um, earlier this year, earlier in 2022. And uh, these five touchstones came out as things that we wanted to emphasize, uh, attributes of what we felt a disciple's man uh, was like and what we were striving towards uh, in our life and in our uh, relationship with others. And so Greg and I are taking um, a few episodes of the podcast here to talk about each one of those uh, touchstones. So in our first time, we talked about a uh, disciple man being loving and uh, what that meant for us. And today we're going to take on uh, the second touchstone, which is service or a good, a disciple's man is a servant. And I think there's a, some really uh, important aspects to us thinking about ourselves as servants and how we serve one another uh, that defines us in our relationship with God and with one another. It's a great topic, and I'm very thankful that um, the executive committee, when we were processing this, felt this was one of the five mm-hmm. touchstones or five pillars that anchor us as as men of faith, especially as disciples men. It's, uh, it's interesting to me, as we look at these, how much overlap there is from one to the next, because they're all built on essentially the same foundation, uh, really. I mean, it's really love God, you know, love neighbor as you love yourself. And, um, and to love neighbor means that you have to meet the needs of the neighbor, the, uh, the Good Samaritan story. And, uh, you know, someone was left by the roadside in need and, um, and, you know, the Samaritan business person traveling along um, made sure that that person was cared for. Now, there's a lot of implications, other side notes in that story. Right. But, uh, but the important thing is, is that, uh, is that his faith, the, you know, the Samaritan's faith compelled him to make sure that the needs of the person in need was met. And uh, for us to make sure that we see uh, disciples, men characterized as servants, as people who serve the needs of others uh, as a part of our faith seems to be a really important dynamic of who we understand ourselves to be. Yes, and the, the importance of how we, um, we serve one another, serve God, serve the church, serve our communities is it. I, I think that is it, it's hard to overstate that. 
in, in the church. Um, I know uh, years ago, as I was um, studying leadership in, in church and church systems and things like that, that we, we did this kind of a review of what styles of leadership there are. And so one of those common things that I think we've talked about in the church now for several decades, um, probably more than half a century, uh, we've been talking about this idea of servant leadership um, mm -hmm. and how we lead by serving others. Um, and, and I think that the, this whole concept of, you know, we, um, we love as we have been loved and we serve as we have been served uh, is an important thing to keep in mind. Very much so. Uh, you know, Richard Rohr is fond of saying that what, how you act in one way is how you act in all ways. Right. And he has a whole narrative in which he unpacks that, which is that, you know, reminds us that we're, you know, we are consistent with who we are in right. certain, in all aspects of life. And uh, one of the things that's always intrigued me about, about the, uh, the servanthood is you and I both have been around some beautiful servants in the life of the church and yes. our ministries. Yes. And those folks have, it's not just they stop and go do something and then, you know, they don't compartmentalize their service, right? You know, when they do that, these are people who are always aware of and ready to respond to another's right. needs. That's yes. how they define themselves. And so how they do that in one aspect is how they do it in all aspects. Yes. And part of what we're trying to do with the Jesus way journey is that, uh, you know, with the resources that we've helped, uh, that we brought forth to the church is to help men understand the consistency of faith, you know, that, um, you know, love, love has expressed, love gets expressed through service. Right. Right. And, and so what we're trying to do is help men understand that, you know, to embrace a servant mentality is not that I'm going to take a weekend and go work, you know, on a project. It's that I'm, I understand my life to be, you know, uh, that of a, of a servant and, uh, and will try to meet those needs whenever I can. And um, I've been very blessed as have you, you know, to know and been taught and have modeled for me what that yes. kind of life looks like in, in service, just a just a recent experience that I had with this, as you know, I keynoted in a, a, a retreat in Texas for the tri-area men in, in Southwest region. And uh, we had a free Saturday and Nathan Higginbotham, who's, you know, the head of men's ministry for the Southwest region, a person we've interviewed, you know, yes. on, uh, we've yep. done a podcast with Nathan, who's been a dear friend to me for many years. I know he's a friend of me to see a project that the men of the Southwest region are doing. Now, these men uh, work at Southwest Good Samaritan Ministries pretty much year round. They're always, they've built a lot of stuff to support that awesome ministry. That's a border ministry down in, you know, down in the Southern border of Texas. And, uh, and they were in Tyler, Texas, helping to helping a Hispanic congregation. Uh, they had helped them build the fellowship hall, which was where they were worshiping. This congregation had yep. outgrown the fellowship hall yep. and disciples men were working with the men of that congregation to build the sanctuary. And uh, when we got there, uh, they were, they were in there uh, hanging and mudding drywall. And, you know, they were like 20 
people, most of them volunteers. I think all of them were volunteers. Actually, I don't know that for a fact, but uh, both the pastor of the church and pastor of another church who the disciples met had helped was there yep. helping work on this. So what happens is you see, you sort of get bitten, you know, by the servant bug. Yeah. And, uh, and that's not a very good way to express that, <laughs> I don't think, but, but it's true in which you understand that, you know, one, one good deed does deserve another. And, right. and it, it has a way of snowballing where you get more and more people engaged in finding the joy of doing that kind of service for other people. And it does, it does come back to you in some extraordinary ways. And, yes. uh, you know, that's, that's the, one of the beautiful things about our faithfulness is uh, about faith is that it, it, it always has a rebound impact, you know, and we, we give to another, there is a way that God makes sure we, we feel the impact of that gift. Right. We'll bless our own lives. Yes. It was wonderful to see, uh, again, the Southwest men have had a long history, one long and wonderful history of doing these kinds of service ministries. And uh, um, it was uh, it was extraordinary to see, you know, have a chance to see firsthand, you know, the continuation of that work that that they were doing. And I was uh, when we left, I was telling Nathan that one of the things that struck me when I walked in is. There was so much joy. Mm, yes, in that room, it was hot. <laughs> there was no air conditioning. Hot, you know, sticky. These guys yeah. were soaked through their clothes doing this work, but the spirit of God was so real. The joy in the room was so prevalent, and I mean, you just when you walked in, you just felt your spirit rise. Right in the company of those people who were serving God in this way. So it, it's it's a marvelous experience, and certainly something I'm very grateful, uh, you know, to our uh, executive committee uh, for embracing service as one of our pillars and one of our touchstones. Yeah. And, and like you said, we've both been blessed with those opportunities to have that modeled for us and then be able to, uh, you know, take on a bit of this, this attitude of service of other uh, into our ministry and into, uh, you know, into our lives. Uh, and, and certainly have it carried forward in men's ministry and from the executive committee is, is I think, quite a blessing. Every time we talk about service, uh, I'm reminded of those, uh, those days uh, when I was uh, working on my doctorate, and uh, I ran across an article uh, on service, on servanthood, um, by uh, a person by the name of Sanders Schneiders. And uh, if you're interested in that article, just reach out to me. It's, it's quite a long article, but I'm going to summarize part of it that's been most meaningful for me. I uh, talk about this a lot when we're talking about service. And uh, Snyder's talks about there being three different kind of modes of service. Um, I think that's the language she uses. Um, there's service that's required. So, you know, I, if I was working in a restaurant as a, as a waiter, you know, my job is to serve those who come in or, you know, working as a bartender or any number of jobs. Uh, there's a supervisor. Somebody's always our boss uh, and somebody has the right to tell you, you must do this. Mm -hmm. um, and that is a way of serving, but it is a way of serving that's required. Uh, second mode that she talks about is service that we choose to do and Often this type of service is done um, when we have time and when we have energy. Uh, it, it is a service that um, 
I, I use the example of uh, volunteering at like a soup kitchen or something like that. If I've, if I've got time and energy in my schedule, I can spend my time volunteering, um, uh, feeding the less fortunate, feeding the unsheltered community, feeding, um, and you know, feeding, uh, children, whatever, um, I, I can give of my time, but if something else fills that time slot, something else that I deem is more important comes into that time, my service stops. Or um, if I get to a point where I need help, maybe my service stops as well. The third type of service that she um, relates, um, and all of these are based on um, Christ serving the disciples um, by washing their feet uh, in, in the Last Supper, 13th chapter of John. When she talks about this third mode of service, she pulls in another passage from John, this time from the 15th chapter, where Jesus tells the disciples, I've called you servants. I now call you my friends. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference I have found in the way in which we serve when we serve a friend. Mm -hmm. You know, it, when my friend needs help moving, I go and help my friend. I don't worry if they're going to be able to help me with next time I move or if I need help changing out a hot wa a water heater or you know, I don't worry about anything. They're my friend. And because they're my friend, I serve them. Um, and that's really kind of the, that's the, the service that I think we see modeled in the best case um, by the men of the Southwest region by other projects, by Disciples Women projects that are service-oriented, um, uh, by church, church service projects. Uh, we see our neighbors as our friends, and we want to help them simply because they're people, and we love them, and, and we want to help. Um, and, and that, thinking about, you know, thinking about those that I'm serving as my friends has really transformed the way I look at others. And it really decreases that barrier that can happen between me and someone else that I'm serving. Uh, I don't see them as other anymore. They're, they're my friends. They're part of me, part of the family. I, I think that's, you know, when Jesus, you know, talks about uh, you know, who is my neighbor, is, which is the, you know, the context for the Good Samaritan story. Right. Uh, you know, what Jesus is telling us is that we have to continually expand our circle of friends yes. and neighbors that, you know, for that very reason you just described. Yeah. You know, because the more the larger that circle is, the more servanthood becomes not just a project to do. It becomes a way of life. Exactly. And that's and that's the kind of life we hope to help model or help men learn to live. Uh, through the work that we do in Disciples Men, both in the work you and I do through the Jesus Way resources, but also that's what the General Conference of Disciple Men is saying to all the Disciple Men is that this is, this is who we need to claim we are mm -hmm. because this is who Jesus expects us to be. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not just a nice thing that you go do when you've got a few moments, like you said, like the second aspect of those yeah. three definitions. Uh, but it's, it truly becomes a way in which you, you live life. And uh, what a difference it would be if, right. the, if the church, I mean, you yes. know, the church isn't quite there yet, but if the church embraced 
that uh, that understanding of service as a way of life and not just something you do when you got a few extra minutes. Yeah, it, it's that shift from um, from activity to identity. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about understanding that I serve or am I a servant? You know, uh, am I loving or do I embody God's love? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, which is a small and the, but the shift, important the shift. shift is, it's, it's, it's huge. It's the yeah. one that we keep, we keep missing. Yeah. You know, we, we settle for the, for the, you know, for the easier one. Right. You know, because then we're in control of that. But, yes. you know, if I yes. take on the third, the third concept of being truly a, a servant as a way of life, then I've, I've given control over to God. And yes. Uh, Gee, who wants to do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we all want to, but isn't it so hard? You know, yeah. and, and, and I'm going to be honest about that. That's not easy to do uh, no. because it does. People who know me well know that I kind of I'm most comfortable when I'm in control of a situation to at least some extent, uh, often to my detriment. Uh, and so that's been a, a growing edge for me for all of my ministry and all of my life, probably, mm-hmm. uh, is to continue to, um, find good ways in which to cede that control to God, um, and really live into the faith that, you know, I, I trust that the 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 arc of the universe uh bends towards justice you know yeah, um, yeah. well and you know we've talked about this in a prior podcast maybe more than once but you know we've uh, we've uh have used the metaphor the difference between a, a jet ski and a sailboat right right and you know if 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 i do service as a project then it's, it, jet, you know, skiing. Then it's, it's jet skiing yep you know and uh, I get the thrill of going and doing it, get to pat myself on the back, make sure people get to take my picture there when I'm there, you know, and, yep. uh, and then I go back and resume my life. The sailboat life is, is that you have to surrender to the wind and the wave. And, uh, you know, that's how, that's how it goes. And, and, you know, that's the life of faith is that we have to surrender control of our lives to God and trust that God has a better way for us to live our life. And, yeah. and when we make that surrender, there's, there are some really interesting things that happened that I, again, that this is where I have a lot of issue with the church. I think we as church leaders, and I put myself in this category, have failed the church in some significant ways. If you embrace a life of service, if you understand servanthood as a way of life, mm-hmm. it, also, it also causes you to do some other things. Number one, it causes you to want to pray. Right. You want that time with God to understand the kind of way God is, God is calling me to live my life. I mean, you have to have some direction somewhere. Right. And, and, you know, you have to make sure that you create time to understand what it is God is calling you to do with your life. And so prayer becomes a significant part of that journey. You become, you become a very generous person. You know, people who are servants are the ones who are giving, keeping the church afloat. Yeah. You know, they're, they're the ones who not only give their time, but they give of their resources too, because they understand that that's a part of the journey. And, right. uh, you know, you don't ever have to inspire a servant to give more to the church. No. Uh, you know, they, they will give, and when the need arises, they will give a little more. Right. They will make up for those who see service as a project. Right. And not a way of life. Right. 
or who don't see service as a part of their faith journey at all. And we right. have all those in the church. We do. And so uh, uh, welcoming you know, the people who are servants don't put up boundaries. They don't erect walls. They don't tell you who's in and who's out. They don't yep. tell you who they will love and who they won't. You know, and, uh, you know, if you're a servant, you see the world through the eyes of God, through the eyes of Christ, in which, you know, everyone, yes. you know, everyone is a creation of God. Everyone yeah. is intentionally brought into the world by God for purpose and intentionality. And, uh, and part of the faith journey is discovering what it is God wants me to do with my life. Yeah. And when I discover that, I find that's where I find the joy and the blessing that comes my way and, and allows me to be a blessing to others in, in, uh, in God's way. And that's, uh, you know, so again, we have, and there's certainly more we could discuss, but that's, there's a, there's a wholeness to this, Yes, you know, and uh, to the, to the journey. And we've wanted to parse it out. You know, we want to sort of categorize certain elements where we allow time for this, allow time for that, you know, so it doesn't really get in the way of our life. I right. mean, just to be perfectly honest, as one who has retired, I still serve a church. They let me be me. They knew that going in. This is who I am. This is what you're going to hear from me. If you don't want it, don't hire me. Right. And, uh, you know, and we have a great time. Uh, you know, they don't let me get away with much. Uh, and neither do I let them get away with much. And so, right. you, you know, the, the service things that our church has done, our little 13 to 15 core people do an enormous amount of work and we're all retired. Right. I mean, we're, we're all old and, uh, and they keep asking, what more can we do? That's a church that's embraced servanthood as a way of life, as a way of faith. Right. And, you know, we are limited with not so much time and not really resource, but we're limited with energy. Uh, you know, uh, you know, there's only so much of us that we can give at the ages that we are. Right. Uh, but we don't use that as an excuse. We keep trying to find ways that people like us can still serve. Right. The previous pastor uh, helped prepare this when I arrived. Right. And, um, and I'm so grateful to her for the work that she did. So, again, I'm not taking any credit for any of this, but I have certainly enjoyed the benefit of her work with this congregation. There is certainly something to be said about rethinking and reimagining the way in which we conceive ourselves um, as pastors in, and churches perceive their pastors in ministry um, to, to allow for this servanthood and the spirit of God, you know, the, the spiritual grounding to flow through everything so that it doesn't become for the clergy. I've got to do this because this is my job. And that leads to a lot of burnout that we have all seen in ministry. And it really empowers the congregation to take on a lot of those gifts that they already have for mm -hmm. ministry and to see the see the impact that those gifts have in the community as they serve. That's uh, one of the reasons why I've always been uh, enamored with systems, congregational systems yes. theory. And, you know, yes. I've taught that for a number of years is because systems look at it holistically. You right. understand how, how action A creates response B or C or all the whole alphabet responses. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so what you do is you start laying the foundation. You know, we, when you make stewardship a Sunday right. of the year instead of a way of life, right. Right. You know, then the system grows to understand, you know, I don't have to be responsible for giving until the church begs me to give. Right. And then I can 
come through like the hero and write the check and save the day. And uh, we can't understand why, you know, why church budgets always fail. There was a program. I don't know if people still use it anymore. I did it for years uh, called Consecration Sunday. That was a stewardship mm. ministry with, with churches. And one of the one of the things I loved about it was its basic premise. And the basic premise was, you know, um, uh, it's it's not about the church's need to receive money. It's about what you need to do to be faithful to God. Right. And, uh, and one of the things that, you know, that I would remind congregations is that the minute you set a budget figure and set it before the congregation, we all start saying, well, this little piece here is mine and we shrink it down because we always think everybody else has more to give than we do. I mean, right. I mean you can be Bill Gates and still think that somebody else really should be giving more than you. Right. And, uh, and that's the, and again, so we play those, we go through those mental gymnastics, you know, and so we all reduce our commitment to the, you know, to the bare minimum, uh, anticipating that everybody else is going to do more, you know? And so again, we play this, and, but when you say it's not about church budgeting, the question is, is what must you do to be faithful to God with the resources? Yes. You've yes. Given? Yep. Well, there you go from preaching to meddling. <laughs> and that's the, but it's, but it's absolutely true. And again, yes. talking about service, that's, that's, how service is grounded with that understanding is what must I do to be faithful to God yeah. and how I use my resources, how I use my time, how I use my gifts and graces that I've been endowed with and the, and the acquired skills that I have. And to not, to not use those uh, to glorify God as a person of faith, what makes me wonder about the degree of faith one has by making that claim again i'm that's not don't mean that by as a judgment it's just again i would say you know friends what what is god calling you to do to be faithful to god with what you've been given yeah it, it reminds me of of conversations that i've had through the years uh with church members primarily as they age um and become less physically able to do some of the things that they may have once done in the church um and they the conversation usually goes with well i can't do what I used to do. Does the mm -hmm. church really need me? Yes, the church needs you. What does the church need you to do? Can you pick up a phone? Yeah. Can you send an email? Can you, you know, uh, can you go out to lunch with somebody? Uh, all of these things are things that the church needs. Yeah. Can you, you know? pray? Exactly. <laughs> can you pray? Can you, can you just devote yourself to praying for the church and for specific people within the church daily, um, you know, uh, and, and yes, you can do all those things. Some of the most powerful ministries that uh, I've seen um, from some of my church members through the years were from folks who were in their nineties, who would write notes of encouragement. Mm -hmm. uh, Bernie Sell. Uh, was one of those. And she would write me notes of encouragement and write others in the church notes of encouragement. She was probably 95 when I met her. Um, and she, she went to our church for until she passed um, some years later. And uh, uh, it didn't hurt that she had been a pastor's wife. Uh, she'd been the first lady of the church before she knew what her role was, but but her role had changed through the years and, mm -hmm. and she wasn't physically able to do much. She didn't have much in the way of finances, but she could afford a few stamps and the note paper. 
um, and would write beautiful notes of encouragement, um, uh, many of which I still have, um, you know, in, in, a, in a file that I look at when I need that, yeah. that uh, little bit of a boost. Uh, so there's always, always, always something we can do. Yeah. Uh, we had a, we had a, uh, in my uh, second student church that I had in, uh, in Hobbs, Indiana, uh, the uh, we had an elderly gentleman who was a farmer, hmm. and uh, his he was one of the elders of the church, uh, and his uh, and his gift to the church, he had a lot of gifts to the church, but the primary gift that he made was on your birthday, at seven o'clock on every morning, every on your uh, seven o'clock in the morning on your birthday, you got a call from George. <laughs> wishing you a happy birthday. That's and it was awesome. Beautiful. He didn't sing. He just wanted to call and wish you a happy birthday. And That's awesome. That became such a part yeah. of that church. And the other thing that he did, he was, a, he was a man that had one speed. He was always in sort of creeper speed and everything that he did. <laughs> and he was known throughout the county that uh, uh, in where that was in North Central Indiana, it was very flat, you know, land you yep. can see forever. And uh, George would be out plowing or cultivating or planting, you know, his field. And if he saw a car coming, he would stop the tractor, park it, stand up because it was an open cab. He would stand up and he would wave from the moment he saw you until you passed <laughs> to make sure you were greeted. And then he would fire up his tractor, go again now. Most of the other farmers laughed at the fact that his, you know, the house inefficient his, his, it was. And uh, while they were sitting in the coffee shop, you know, telling stories after they had got their work done, uh, George was still out making people doing, you know, greeting people, doing things. And, yeah. and the, you know, he never sat down. Oh, he would cut firewood or do something all year long. But his, his commitment to making sure that he greeted or brought joy into someone's life just for a moment yeah. was extraordinary. I mean, it was just an extraordinary thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we, we, we overcomplicated. It doesn't take, you know, you know, you don't have to write a, you know, a check for a million dollars. Right. No smile at somebody, you know, tell the folks, tell the folks at McDonald's, give them a big smile and tell them, have a great day. The person is, you know, handing you your, your coffee or your right. Big Mac. Right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, just say something nice, do something nice for somebody, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's a smile, you know, can really make all the difference in the world. Yeah. But, you know, you don't you don't do it if you don't understand that it's a part of who you are in your relationship. with Exactly. Them. Yeah. You know, because there's way too many other thoughts going through your head that would keep you from doing that. I mean, you're wondering right. why they're so slow in giving you your burger. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. And so it's a. Uh, we, you know, we do, we just, we find all kinds of excuses as to why servanthood as a way of life won't work for us. And, you know, the truth is, is that God already took care of that long before we came along. Right. Yes. <laughs> God exactly. already provided for the, for the means for that to happen. Right. It's just a matter of us getting on board. Yeah. It, it, it's a matter, and it's a matter of, of beginning to understand that, you know, I don't do this for any recognition. I don't do this because I have any expectation. I do this just because it's what I'm called to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the simple smallest things are part of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I have small found, to us, but they can be huge to somebody else. 
Absolutely. And I have found, again, I, I've, I've found, you know, I'm not sure that I can give a theological justification for this, but it certainly has been a part of my experience. And that is, it seems like the right people cross my path at the right time, right time. for both them and me, Yep. you know, for, for the right thing I have to give. Yep. And I have found that the reverse is true, that there I have been crossed just the right persons at the right time where I got just the right kind of whatever I needed at that moment yeah. to help me regain my balance and perspective yeah. in life. And, and, uh, you know, I, I am quite willing to give God the credit <laughs> for that. The, the spirit of God does blow through our world and, uh, it helps us unfurl our sails, even when we don't see that as a possibility anymore. That's right. Yeah. 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 We just, we just, uh, you know, we, we go where the wind will take us. And again, the yeah. wind's the spirit of God. Yeah. And so we, we just have to let trust that God has our best interest at heart. And, uh, yeah. and not only us, but the people in whose, whose lives we touch and impact as well. It's not a, you know, it's not just me. We're, right. you know, we're part of a larger system. And so when God is blessing me as a part of that system, those blessings tumble out into the lives of a whole lot of other people. Right. Yeah. And again, that's, that's, uh, that's a part of it too. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Greg, thank you for the time today. It's been a great conversation as it always is. I always appreciate our conversations. Yeah. Got same to here. Three more of these to go through. Um, and I don't have my list in front of me anymore. Um, <laughs> faithful. No, I've got them faithful, compassionate and Christ-like are our remaining three. Yeah, and we're got, we'll get through those, and I think we have a special guest coming up. In the, in special June guest too. coming up in a few weeks, so be looking forward to that as well. Um, so, uh, thank you again for uh, for joining us as we uh, think about and talk about faith and what it means to be followers of Christ Jesus and disciples. Men, uh, Greg, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Alex. So it's always a joy, and uh, blessings to everyone listening today. All right, we'll talk to you soon on another edition of Disciples Men Podcast. Our special thanks to our good friend, the Reverend Dr. Dean Phelps, for providing the special music of this podcast. You can discover more of Dean's music at deanphelpsmusic.com. And you can learn more about the ministry of Disciples Men on Facebook and through discipleshomemissions.org.